Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shuffle the Pack podcast. Uh, a small side note for our listeners out there, we are trying some new software, so if we sound great, that's brilliant. If we sound awful, I'm blaming that entirely on James. Speaking of which, as ever, my co-host extraordinaire, the Josh Allen to my Jarrett Stidham. James, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I'm getting used to, to sort of coming on with a smiling face and um, talking about Packers win. Long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. Like We've had some week this week, would you not agree? Like a good win for the Packers and a little bit of a bonus with Nat Coombs coming on for a few minutes earlier in the week. Yeah, absolutely. It was obviously really exciting for, for, for the pod to get our first guest. Obviously nice to get a few more guests on, uh, hopefully, as the season progresses. But no, it was really exciting, obviously, backed up with a, with a Packers win. Can't, can't say more than that, really. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Um, I would like to take this opportunity to apologise publicly for absolutely fangirling, taking over the podcast, uh, like stealing all your questions. The, like, the ones, questions you wrote were perfect. Can't apologise enough. <laughs> no, don't be silly. Just before we came on, came to record as well, uh, uh, obviously every Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers does a little thing with the Pat McAfee show. Have you seen that quote yet? I haven't seen the quote yet. I saw something pop up on my Twitter, but I hadn't actually read it yet. So the the quote is: "I sometimes laugh when people talk about down years for me because a lot of da- a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Is that not just like pure confidence from Aaron Rodgers this season, and it is shown in his play?" I, I think so. I think he's uh, yeah his revenge tour continues and long may that continue as he sort of puts the league on blast. At this moment in time, obviously, really starting to feel himself playing at an unbelievable level thus far. So, yeah, fair play. He's, he can talk the talk if he's walking the walk, which he definitely is at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like last night he put up uh, 327 yards, four touchdowns. He was sacked once, I think, quite late in the game, but he still had uh, 27 out of 33 catches. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good showing against the Falcons last night. Yeah, not bad when you've got almost as many incompletions as you've got touchdown passes. You know you're, doing, you're onto something pretty well good. <laughs> I mean, he's, I've got 147.5 pass rating for, for last night, uh, which takes his sort of average up for the season up above sort of 120, which was up there with the 2011 season when he won MVP. So it just goes to show the level that he's been performing at over the first quarter of the season really is the high watermark of his career. We're talking about that levels, and this is a, a first ballot hall, hall of Famer. So he really is something else at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's, it's hard to. I mean, surely two two of the top three have to be Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. We'll talk about uh, Wilson a little bit later on, probably. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't have a great night last night. No touchdowns, four sacks. 285 yards. Was he trying too hard? Is the offence just not good enough over in uh, Atlanta? I mean, the offence has been the sort of bright spark for, for, for Atlanta up until this point in the season. Obviously, they, they had those two blown leads that have been much ballyhooed sort of up to this point. But the, the offence... Ballyhooed's a great word, by the way. Yeah, Sorry, I, jump in. <laughs> I love that word. I'm going to borrow that a bit more. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's, as I say, the, the offence had been their strength up to the, the, this point. And I think that the, the D, the, the showing from the Packers D was actually probably the one of the best takeaways I, I got from this game because... Coming into it, obviously no Kenny Clark again. Um, I, I think that was obviously more precautionary. I think he probably could have played if, if absolutely needs needs be. But the fact that they without him uh, and they still managed to to keep obviously the Falcons down to um, three points in the first half, sort of first two drives, three and out, kept the run game in check. Whereas obviously in weeks gone past it had been pretty poor. So no, it was it was very good to see. I think that. that you can see that Zadarius Smith, although he'd 
uh, had a couple of sacks prior to, to, to this week. He seems much more like the player that we, we came used to last season. Obviously, three sacks on the night, lived pretty much in, in, the, in the Falcons' backfield and really made a nuisance of himself. So that's really good to see. And, and Jer Alexander had another cracking day as well holding um, Calvin Ridley to, to no catches. And he, had, he came into the league, uh, into the game, leading the league in, in receptions and deep receptions. So I think that just shows to show you how, how good Alexander's playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got pretty much the same note written down. Like, well, in fact, all I got was Jared Alexander was everywhere because I thought that pretty much summed the whole thing up. Um, he was basically faultless last night. I mean, as you say, I read, uh, Ridley was held to absolutely nothing. He might as well not, have not been on the pitch, I thought. Um, Zedaria Smith getting three sacks across the game and Raven Green getting a fourth I mean it's, it's great a much better showing from the D this uh, this week than it has been the previous three weeks I think yeah absolutely and I think that it, it showed something else about this Packers team obviously in the first three weeks we saw this tremendous offensive performance where it was very much a case of will score as, not, as many points as needed to win a game this game was, was slightly different I mean don't take anything away from Aaron Rodgers he still played incredibly well but with the offensive pieces missing um, it, it did. I think the D felt that they had to, to step up big time, and we saw that very early on the game with those two early three and outs, and, and, and holding them to only three points in the first half. If you give Aaron Rodgers, if you, if you can keep the opposition below twenty points, nine times out of ten, or, or this season ten times out of ten, Rodgers will give you enough points to, to win the game. So it is encouraging for, from the D now, and, the, and this, as I say, was a Falcons team that were, were pretty hot on offense coming into this game. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I thought that the they looked a little bit. Obviously, I watched a little bit more of the game than you did, um, but the the deal looked a little bit suspect. But I mean, only in a couple of places. In the first quarter, I think it was we allowed a ninety-five yard drive that only went for a single field goal. But you mentioned the offense, offense there as well, and missing the key pieces. Given that we're still putting points on the board with Lazard and Adams out, we didn't really draft anyone particularly clever to take those positions on. Is that showing? growth internally because in episode one we spoke about the lack of weapons thereof is that question been answered now oh i mean aaron Rodgers continues to make players who shouldn't be anywhere near an nfl lineup look like superstars i mean i'm not saying that about bobby tom tonyan who had obviously an incredible big dig bob tonyan what a game what a unbelievable game from from from, from tonyan obviously three touchdowns uh, by far and away the best uh, game of his career he's actually he now he now has more touchdowns than the Giants organization's entire team. Well, that's that's an incredible stat, isn't it? Just goes to show one how well this offense has played, and then two how poor this Giants team is. <laughs> <laughs> you almost feel bad, but you have oh, to absolutely laugh. have to laugh. Uh, but but no, he he had a incredible game. But if you look at the, the players who were were there um, on the field outside of of MVS and and and. There was really nobody of note that was on the field outside, obviously, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So, so to do what they do and put up that many yards and, and throw for four touchdowns just goes to show sort of what, that obviously, Rodgers can, can do what he wants. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Aaron Jones. There. I personally thought he was quite quiet last night. Uh, 40 receiving yards, 71 uh, rushing yards, but only one touchdown. Um, uh, it, it seemed like the, the Falcons, they had his number. I mean, for the touchdown, I mean, he couldn't have been more wide open. That was clearly, obviously, a complete busted coverage by, by the Falcons. They left him wide open. They both, uh, perhaps knowing something that, that we didn't, because it was early in the game, uh, both went to cover Tonyan and left him in wide open. But outside of that, that, they did sort of stime him fairly well. I mean, he's still obviously racking up well over 100 yards, uh, all-purpose all yards for, for, for the game. 
but obviously he's such a superstar, you're almost expecting him to, to sort of have 100 receiving and 100 uh, on the ground. So, yeah, no, he wasn't quite his, his usual self, but still a reasonable performance. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a particularly bad uh, performance from anyone. I mean, it's it's just like, uh, it just proves that what we said the last couple of weeks, it is more of a team effort this year than it was uh, last year. I think we're, without Adams across this year and, and last year already, we're at 8-0 in wins. So it shows that there is definitely potential spread further around than just the superstar wide receiver. Um, MVS, though, he has buttery hands. He, like 50% of his targets last night were dropped. Is that like an ongoing problem, do you think? Or can that be worked on? It just seems a bit about what you get with, with MVS. It's plagued him now for, for the best part of two seasons when he's been on the field. He seems to... You think he's turning a corner. He'll, he'll look particularly good. He'll make a couple of key catches. And then he seems to let him down ever so slightly just by, by dropping the ball. He clearly still retains Rogers' trust. And I think at the moment, even if he didn't have Rogers' trust, because there's that little else on the outside opposite him, he's probably still going to get the ball thrown his way. But um, yeah, if he could just clean that up a little bit and just catch a few more balls, you think where this offence could get to, really. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's quite terrifying to think that we're not even at full strength and yet we're still dominating dominating every single quarter in every single game even though in a couple of games we've already been we've been down I would argue that the offense is still dominating other offenses um so our scores for last week I put down 42 29 you put down 42 30 we're both wrong quite by quite some distance uh 30 to 16 do you think that was more uh, more fair reflection of the game than we thought it might have been um I, as I say I mean I would I was very surprised that the the D didn't give up more yards and, and more points uh, ultimately because I expect it to be a bit more of a shootout I think that the Packers they were cruising late in, in the fourth quarter I don't think they, they went into fourth or fifth gear because they, they knew the game was in hand at that point so so I don't doubt given the way that they were playing in the first half that they could have gone on and scored more points if they absolutely needed to but it seemed like they, they sort of took their foot off the gas a little bit uh, late on so so I think that's why the score stayed down, just because the D sort of kept the it kept a very respectable score on their end. Yeah, so it must be a nice change for them to not have to blow a lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Can't blow a lead if you don't have a lead. So, so <laughs> that is pretty much led wire to wire, which is always nice. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I was busy last night. I was uh, I was doing the live tweet and I was uh, I was suffering for it quite a lot. I dropped my bag of crisps at one point. I thought my wife was going to kill me if I didn't get it cleaned up. Um, I don't know if you watched. I'm assuming you watched at least the highlights uh, this today. Yeah, some point. so, so I, I jumped on and watched the, the sort of 40 minute uh, highlights on on Game Pass this morning um, and sort of caught up because I woke up sort of midway through the third quarter and watched until till the end of the game and then sort of. You didn't miss a great deal. Yeah, so we yeah, what caught up that the bit that I missed, um, sort of prior to that. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good game on the whole, and I thought that obviously we'd spoken about it, the potential banana skin it could have been. And I was particularly nervous going into the game when I saw that sort of Kenny Clark and Devonte Adams weren't going to potentially make it. So it's certainly uh, good that they managed to get the win. Obviously, going to the bye and start getting a bit healthy because they are a bit banged up at the moment, as we've spoken about. So yeah, it's certainly nice to be four and zero. Who are we still missing on the the defense that could potentially improve that, like injury wise? Because I, I it still feels a little bit suspect to me. There's no doubt that the, the D is. I mean, one reasonable performance. Obviously, I'm not saying it's the best defense of all time. There's no legion of boom, that's for sure. But it, it obviously it was slightly improved. But obviously they they do have apparently they've got a meeting with with Damon Harrison Snacks um, on Wednesday. 
he's coming in for a free agent visit and he's a formidable run st- stuff stuffer at the middle which as anyone who watched the NFC Championship game last season will, will attest to, this Packers team has, has consistently struggled to, to stop, the, stop the run. So having someone of his ability to come in could, could really sort of change this, this defence. With, with Kenny Clark potentially coming back as well, they're already fairly strong on, on the, the D-line uh, in terms of pass rush and the corners in, in King and, and Jaya are both looking pretty reasonable. So that small addition could really make a massive change to this defense. I don't want to get too excited because I know that he's uh, due, he's scheduled to meet with the Seahawks uh, today and that would be a real kick in the teeth if they were to, to steal him uh, away from us because it could make a massive difference to this day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, with all the, the injuries we have across the, the board completely, I mean, like having that extra strong, formidable uh, deal, um, sorry, defensive play would, would be like a, not quite a game changer but it would certainly be putting it right up there. Um, so obviously having a buy next week I don't think it could have came at a better time for us give, give the players enough time to heal get the new guy in yeah uh, absolutely I mean I'm never a f- massive fan of early bye weeks just because you've then also you've got a lot of games to, to go for, for, for your season obviously got another uh, <laughs> what, 12 straight games that you've got to play off the back of that but it does seem for this team that, that we do have we're pretty banged up so it, it could well come at the perfect time just to get as many guys back on, on, on the field. Um, and also, obviously, be interesting. You've got a, a huge game after the bye against the Bucks to, to try and get as, as healthy as possible because that's another game that could have huge playoff seeding implications come the, the back end of the season. Yeah, well, it's the, the Bucks have got um, divisional rivals for us, the, the Bears, and then we follow the week after. Um, after our bye weeks, so, I mean that that could be. I think watching the the Bears game next week for the Bucks could be very very interesting for us to see who and what isn't coming back because they currently have Godwin out and uh, uh, I think Fournette's out yeah. as well. So hopefully they're they're still out by the time we OJ Howard was out for the season now as well. He, he tore his Achilles on on the weekend when they beat the Chargers. But um, no, that that Bears Bears Bucks game on Thursday night this week it's an interesting one because I'm not really sure who I want to win. Obviously, from a, a divisional <laughs> perspective, um, you'd normally always want the Bears to, to lose, of course. But I, I really don't think that they're a threat. Um, having watched an awful, too much of their games, because they're, they're very dull to watch, I, I don't see them having the long-term stability to, to sort of really sort of test this Packers side in the division. Whereas the Bucks obviously lost week one, but they do look like they've started to turn a corner with three straight wins. Uh, and so any losses that they can pick up is probably going to be a good thing down the bo- sort of back end of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. The uh, I mean, so, since, since I was talking to Bears anyway, we don't have a, an opponent next week, obviously, so we'll just do a quick NFC North watch here. Might absolutely. as well. I feel like mm-hmm. the time, you know what I mean? Um, so just, just rolling through the scores quickly. Obviously, Green Bay 4-0. Bears the luckiest 3-1 team in the known universe. Detroit is 1-3. And Minnesota finally got a win this week as well. Um, there's a lot going on in the, the division this year, this, uh, this week. Yeah, so. obviously, Vikings managed to, to beat the, the, the Texans team and put paid to, to, to Bill, Bill O'Brien. But um, we are going to talk a lot about Bill O'Brien. I'm in sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, that they've managed to, to get off the schneid, and it'll be interesting to see how they, they go this week. They've got Seattle uh, up at Century Link on, on uh, Sunday Night Football, which, again, from a, a playoff seeding. Uh, angle is another one where you're not really sure who, who you want to win because obviously Seattle remains 
undefeated four and oh as with as the Packers. So it would be nice for them to uh, to get a loss in, in in the L column. But again, it, do you want the Vikings to, to start getting ahead of steam? So it's uh, yeah, a bit of a conundrum this week with the, the two of the games. I think we want that game to go the same way as the Eagles Bengals. Yeah, a nice tie. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also had the the Lions getting beat by the Saints. Now the Lions are going into a bye week as well, and then they face the Jags. How do you think their next couple of weeks? Are yeah, I mean, if if I was a, the Lions, I, I would be seriously considering getting rid of Matt Patricia at this point in time. They've now blown six straight games in which they've held a double-digit di- lead. So they actually, obviously, they have got one win this season, but they never held a double-digit lead. Clearly, because they actually managed to hold on to it. But it's, it's the <laughs> the most in NFL history for blown double-digit leads, of course, because. Six straight games is absurd to blow that many leads. They were actually up 14 nothing against the Saints early doors. Uh, and then they conceded 35 straight points to, to let the Saints... Yeah, That's that's up there with, uh, with the... I think it was the Eagles against Washington first week. Where the Eagles put up like 17 points and Washington came back and just absolutely slapped them. Yeah, and that, the boys weren't anything about that. Was it Washington? At least New Orleans are a reasonable side <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to be all ba- feel bad for the people in Philadelphia, but again, it's one of those things. It's a bit like the Giants, where you just can't Absolutely. help but laugh. You know, it's a lot of fun being a Packers fan right now. Um, the Bears lost to the Colts last week. The Colts have got a very strong deal, you know, I think. And with Philip Rivers, is he an upgrade over over last season? Yeah, I think he is an upgrade. Uh, I don't think it's a, a huge upgrade, uh, to be honest with you, but I think it is certainly a, a slight step up. At the moment, I think the Colts are winning in spite of uh, of Rivers. If you look at his box score, at least he's not doing an awful lot in each game, uh, outside of sort of keeping it relatively clean uh, from a turnover angle. So that they've got a very very good defense. Um, they're both their offensive and defensive lines are both very very strong, uh, and that's how they're they're still winning games. So not necessarily the most pretty. But uh, they're getting the job done. And obviously, it'd be interesting to see how they, they go on because the Packers do play them later on in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to give uh, Nick Foles, uh, sorry, uh, Mitch Trubisky, a bit more credit than he deserves this year. But obviously, the Bears went through, and you know, while he was a starting quarterback, Nick Foles comes in and they lose again. I mean, I'm happy, more than happy for the, the Bears to go turn back to Mitch Trubisky <laughs> <laughs> if they want to. Nick Foles, obviously didn't have the performance that he did against the Falcons when he came off the bench. He found it obviously all the more difficult. Seems like the Bears are incapable of getting a run game going. Um, obviously, they traded away Jordan Howard a few seasons ago and they've never really had a run game since. So it is all on his shoulders And when it comes to it, to an offensive standpoint. And at the moment, obviously still very new to that system. You do wonder if they might flip-flop backward to, to Mitch sort of as the season wears on. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the the ongoing rumble for the for the the Bears completely because like who's is, is it a case of lesser of two evils? Like they paid Nick Foles all this money and it, it's cost them a lot. In I think they had to give the the, the Jags got the drag, um, draft picks for next season as well. But at the same time, Mitch Trubisky got them three wins. Yeah, uh, I mean it's going to be one of those where it's a battle of sort of head versus heart. It seems for the for the. Uh, Chicago organization they're going to be constantly torn because obviously they invested so much capital in trading up to, to draft Trubisky and then obviously Foles they also traded away some picks and paid him a lot of money so it's, it's a bit of a disaster situation but uh, I'm all I'm here all here for it 
who is it that's do, that's like reading the numbers to do the quarterback picking in Chicago? Is it uh, Stevie Wonder or someone? You, you can't actually see the numbers he should be looking at. You can't see the players in front of him. <laughs> who knows? I mean, a long way they, their reign continue. Obviously, pick, picking quarterback last <laughs> season, Foles was very average when he played. Obviously, got injured very early on for the Jags, but when he came back from that injury, he looked pretty pretty average. So to get he looks. I, I thought he looked special. I think so. I think obviously they, he was playing on a on a losing team, sort of go, going nowhere. But yeah, he did didn't look like he was sort of at it. So to to think that he was worth all that money and then a fourth round draft pick just shows how much they 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 really truly thought of, of Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I mean, Trubisky was supposed to be the the great thing. Do you know what I mean? He was drafted ahead of Mahomes and Watson. So, but I mean, does that really mean anything now? Because Look at what's happened. Jimmy Lamar Holmes is sitting there like killing it like with his uh, his half a million dollar contract and not even sitting on his ass a bit on the back of that, but then Trubisky can't like finish a game. Yeah, it just goes to show you how important that those draft decisions are, ultimately speaking. Um they can completely change the fortunes of your franchise for, for sort of decades. You had the the Bears taken Mahomes, you wonder where where they would have been. At this stage I'm glad they didn't for obvious reasons. But but um, yeah, yeah definitely. it's going to haunt them for for a very very long time because because he's something else. So you, you mentioned uh, a minute ago um, the Lions looking to well should really be getting rid of Matt Patricia. But how do you think he still got a job? Is it because of the the reputation he had while that he sorry that he developed while he was at the the Patriots under Bill Belichick and that sort of like coloring his uh, his current ability or. Is it just because he has some sort of like blackmail? I think it's the latter at this point. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand at this stage what he offers. We've like if I was a Lions fan, I would say we've seen enough of the the Matt Patricia Lions. He's taken a team who were uh, under sort of Jim Caldwell, sort of scooting around the playoffs each year, nine and seven for two consecutive years, and he's moved them backwards. They were. Uh, sort of borderline playoff, maybe win a division if they get a sort of lucky team. And now they're, they're miles away. They're, they're in that lower sort of bottom quarter of the, the league. So, yeah, I, I think we've seen enough from Patricia. I think that he must have some, some dirt on the Fords because that's the only way that surely they're keeping him around. Yeah, like they've definitely regressed. Like they've gone back to sort of like mid-90s Detroit where they were like, well, without putting it too bluntly, they were absolute dog shit for a good few years there. Um, I, don't, I think that's probably enough about the NFC North because I'm just too excited that we're 4-0 and everyone yeah, else is like in the bin. I, I mean, I the, let, let's be fair, the, the division is garbage outside of the Packers. If, if we, if, <laughs> just say if, you if we don't win this division, barring injury from A-Rod, I will be very, very surprised. And I would be willing to wager an awful lot of money barring injury that we win this division. <laughs> put the whole house on winning the division this year um, right let's have a broader look at the NFL shall we like the, I think the biggest news of the day has to be the 49ers release Mohamed yeah he's not, not had a lot of luck at the moment has he obviously <laughs> left at Atlanta Bill Belichick sends up a, a second round pick sort of to become Tom Brady's top target that never materialises gets hurt gets cut by New England gets given a lifeline by um <laughs> Shanahan, and then a few weeks later, he's been cut once more. So it looks as though he might be coming to, to, to the end of time with, with Mohamed Sanu in the NFL, just because usually 
speaking, once a, once a player gets cut a couple of times, there's three organisations in less than a year that he's been on, you think it's probably probably time. Yeah, so it's one of those situations where if the whole, whole world smells like shit, yeah. take your shoes, you know what I mean? Like, but I think in, in this particular case, he's been released not because he's, he's not performed. Um, I don't really think he's had much of a chance to perform, but I think uh, I read some of the Debo Samuels back, so that's probably had his like, days numbered for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's just like fell off a cliff. I just don't think there's space for him in the, in the, the roster. Yeah, I mean, just having a look at his stats so far this season, he's, he's played in three games for the 49ers, one, one catch for nine yards. So it's not not been a. Uh, I don't think they'll be sort of uh, retiring his jersey anytime in San Francisco. Yeah, those, those are Gary Swan numbers. I'm, I'm... <laughs> uh, right. So, so moving on from that, that poor unfortunate thing. The second most important story of the whole week, I think, is that the Cowboys were destroyed by the Browns. That was a funny, yeah, funny absolutely. Game. I mean. I've got a bit of a soft spot for the Browns, I'm not going to lie. I think that any team that has been a perpetual loser reminds me an awful lot of, of my football team, Nottingham Forest, and I always have a bit of a soft spot for them. So I've, got a, I've always sort of hoped they do well and they can make the playoffs. So when I saw them jump out to that huge lead, I thought, oh, here we go. Obviously, Cowboys almost brought it back, but then uh, OBJ did some, some, some madness and, and ran around half the team to... to to score and put the game to bed. Yeah, running back OBJ. You know I mean, it's just, it's unheard of. Running back OBJ, Michael Landry throwing a left-handed, like I think it's fifty-yard uh, pass to OBJ as well, actually on, on the receiver. And all uh, they put what fifty points up nearly, uh, and that was without Nick Chubb who left in the, in the first quarter. It's unbelievable yeah. from the Browns. I think that means that Baker's probably decent. Again, I, I don't know if they're doing it in spite of Baker, though. I mean, if you look at if you look at his his stats, <laughs> he's not actually sort of contributing that much to the yardage. Obviously, that part, as you mentioned, was thrown by Jarvis Landry. There was that other long touchdown run, as we mentioned, by Beckham, um, and then Kareem Hunt did an awful lot. And then the backup running back, I can't remember his name, he came in and I think he had about sort of ninety odd yards. So it seems as though they are winning without him, which is obviously a nice position to be in because uh, if Baker does up his game a little bit, they could be a really formidable formidable side. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I called Jarvis, uh, Michael Jarvis there. I don't know where I got that from, but his name's... Uh, it's not even Michael Jarvis, isn't it? I called him Michael Landry. I'm very tired after last night, James. I do apologise. This, this is a very amateurish <laughs> moment for me here. Um, right, so I think, you know, I think somewhere... We should we should move on to the. Like, I saw like a little footnote that the the Texans have fired. Bill yes, Bryan. well, that's a, a bit of a surprise. Everyone had all their money probably on uh, Adam Gase to be to, to be the foot. Adam Gase. Yeah, Adam Gase must should be have been gone all the way to the bank uh, with, with that dismissal because, it, by all intents and purposes, it assumed it must be Gase that goes first, and then and then Bill O'Brien, as the GM, must have sacked himself. Because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, must, that's that's got to be a weird conversation. Like, Bill, can I can I see you for a minute? Yeah, of course, Bill. What do you need? You know I mean? <laughs> or, or was it just like an email from GM? To yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to be a, a sort of fly on that wall. I mean, he's he's taken he's the absolute star in that building. He'd taken over. Obviously, he was the the coach, the general manager. He this week he was like, I'm going to call the plays. <laughs> I think that was a matter of hours before. I'm surprised he, was like, he wasn't the driving the bus and cooking the dinners. I don't know, I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing that much for the squad, you've got to think that the bus 
There's no one to blame it on. You're doing everything. Uh, well, I see. He's just walking around the stadium with a broom in his hand at the end of the game as well. Exactly. Just to make sure nice I mean, you're... next week. Um, I said, there's certainly so I, value I, I, for money sorry, for, for all the jobs that he was doing. Absolutely. Do you know? What I, mean? I mean, you speak about value for money, but I read somewhere that they ha- that the Texans had the highest wage bill in all of the NFL, something like two hundred eighty-seven million pound a year, which is shambolic considering the the, the uh, results they've had. Yeah, the I mean, their are own four. Um, the, the Dolphins own their first round picks for, for, for this season and next season. So you've you got to think he has done a horrific job. I don't think you needed me to tell you that with some of the trades that he's done over the last couple of seasons. But not only has he sort of traded away talent over there, he, he's got a squad that, that isn't competitive who were a playoff side. So he's actually he's run them into the ground and they haven't got the draft capital to, to improve anytime soon. So he, that could be a good few seasons. I mean, they know they've got Deshaun Watson, which always gives you a chance, but it could be a very long time until they're sort of genuine competitors for a title. Yeah, no, I mean, they really should be up there again because it was, I think it was what, last year they were in the top eight. They really should be back there again. Um, it'll probably be hard for them to come back from this stage. Um, but I, I would probably put money on Deshaun Watson smashing out 400. Yeah, obviously it's a nice matchup. They've, they've been a bit unlucky in terms of, of, of their scheduling so far this season. It's got to be the, the toughest opening four games of, the, of, the, of any one season. Out to take out the Vikings, they, they obviously played uh, initially the Chiefs, followed by the Ravens, followed by the Steelers, and then the Vikings. So it's one of the most daunting schedules you're probably ever likely to see. No, realistically, they should be one and three because they should have beaten the, the Vikings. Just yeah, as, just in Vikings. your building, that's a game you've got to win. Down zero oh and three, but uh, that yeah. only cost him his job. <laughs> so, who, who do you think is going to be the the potential for the next Texans head coach? I don't know about the GM. That's like a different thing. I've got no interest in the GM, but the head coach. Um, I've seen Josh McDaniels, who I think is at the Patriots, and I'm going to butcher his pronunciation here. Eric Bieniemy, who I think is the offensive yeah, coordinator so, for Kansas I mean, City. Eric Bieniemy has been talked up for, for quite some time now, and I'm very surprised that he didn't get a head coaching job in this last uh, this off season. Um, given obviously how potent that Chiefs offense has been for uh, some time now, you'd think that people would be queuing up outside the door, around the corner, and around the next two blocks to to sort of have a, that sort of offensive mind in the building. So you. It does seem like a match made in heaven to have him alongside Sean Watson, who's obviously another electric quarterback, uh, as we discussed earlier, uh, to the much to the Bears' dismay. So I, I think that the enemy's got to be a name that's on that list. You, I probably think you want an offensive coach just because you've got that talent in, in Watson. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you you need someone who's who's going to drive the game forward and work with Watson, similar to uh, Rogers and Matt Lafleur, where Matt Lafleur seems to design the plays around uh, Rogers's strengths. So they need so they need someone in. But does if it is Bieniemy, does he move in the middle of the season when Kansas City are probably going to head to uh, if not the championship game, then at least uh, yeah. I mean, it's very rare that you see coaches move mid-season uh, in, in the NFL. So I'd be pretty shocked if, if that was the case that's one of the reasons why mid-season coach firings particularly this early in the season are pretty rare just because it's pretty hard to actually get someone in it's more than likely they'll get a sort of it'll be one of the, the coaches already on the staff or they'll get somebody who's currently not working to come in as a, as a caretaker just till, till the end of the season I think that's why most 
teams usually tend to wait until at least the back half of the season before making any sort of firing decisions. But yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the enemy sort of tossed up a chance of potentially winning another Super Bowl and getting another ring to, to go mid-season. So I reckon that probably means that Adam Gase will be out in the next couple of weeks and uh, Bill O'Brien will find himself back in a job with for too long. Cause, but, I mean, without all that, what, what sort of head coach that isn't uh, an inexperienced head coach is going to take a team on that doesn't yeah, have I a first-round pick? You'd be surprised. I mean, there's only 32 of these jobs in the world. Uh, and this is the, the pinnacle for, for any coach. Uh, if they're, in, they're working in the league, whether or not they're currently a coordinator, they don't come around. Obviously, you tend to get sort of eight or so sackings each year or so, but people tend to be in them an awful lot longer than, than football managers. So I think it's very much a, if a job comes up and you get offered a job, it's very rare that, that, that those are turned down just because you're, you're usually given a fair amount of rope to turn things around. Yeah, no, I mean, I suppose that, that makes more sense. Yeah, it kind of makes more sense with the, like in, in football, like money is everything. So like if you if you have a bad season, you lose out on uh, on uh, continental competitions and stuff like that. So if you're not making money for the team, then you, you have to go quick order, try and turn it around and see who's next. In a league without any relegation or anything like that, then it's it must be a lot easier to keep your job and try and build yeah, a project and for a couple of years. It's funny how you see the various head coaches sort of sell a project to, to, to the, the organisation. Oftentimes, if they're struggling, they'll draft a quarterback and they'll say, well, I need to now, you know, bed him in, teach him, and that will give them an extra two, three seasons because they're not really expected to win. So you do tend to see that the coaches last a lot longer than, than they do in, in football terms, that's for sure. So does that mean that Adam Gase is staying in... Uh, gonna get <laughs> if he another gets another year piece, then the Jets, <laughs> they clearly don't want to win it ever again. <laughs> I think they, they haven't had a good season since Jordan <laughs> no, they throwing the ball out. In 2015, he took them almost to the playoffs. <laughs> of course they did. He's, he's some boy that I, I love him a bit. Jimmy. I can't I can't go with myself for him. Um, right, moving on then. Uh, we'll go with the MVP well, of the week. There's only you, one name that I think that we can realistically have on this, and that's that's Big Bobby Tonyan. I don't think that uh, he, he currently Big leads Big the Bob league Tonyan. in touchdown receptions. Uh, he's tied with with Mike Evans uh, for a guy who's an undrafted free agent who no one had ever heard of up till last season to come out of nowhere and now lead the league I know it's only after four weeks but it just goes to show obviously what a, what a step up so yeah he, he gets my my MVP for this week that's for sure yeah I mean I'm, I'm in complete agreement with that I mean he had like a blinding game last night uh, just a couple of stats for you he had, in his rookie year he had four catches for 77 yards last year 10 catches for 100 yards and then this year so far already after four games six catches 98 yards um, like the the commentators last night were saying he's he's really good friends with George Kittle. Uh, they share an agent. They spend time in the off season training. Uh, off season training together. Do you think that the skill set and work ethic that Kittle has as arguably the best uh, tight end in the in the, the oh, league? Do you think I really hope for so. Because if he can even be half as good as George Kittle, we we found ourselves <laughs> an absolute dream. Because George Kittle, I mean, I don't know if you saw it much of the highlights from, from their get, game against the, the Eagles. But I think he, he caught 15 passes, which would have, would be a franchise record for the Packers if he was to do that. Uh, and he caught every single one of the, the balls thrown his way, all 15. So he's just phenomenal. Um, no, tr- truly great player. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute beast. He, but he's, 
the, the only downside I can see is that George Kill has suggested maybe to big dick Bob Tonyan to have a little <laughs> man bun. I mean, if he, if he keeps scoring touchdowns, he can have an end of a hairstyle he wants. I mean, he's he's on course at the moment for, for 20 touchdowns. So if he can get, gets to 20, then, then he can have the man bun. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll let that one happen, and I'll let that one happen. Uh, right, so obviously we've done MVP, so let's have a talk about Mr. Irrelevant. So I, I went with all the bobs yours? this week. So, so as we've discussed at length, <laughs> Bill O'Brien has got to be uh, this week, just because of the aforementioned. He had every single job. He, he Not only did he pick the players, he coached the players, and ultimately he took them to 0-4 and he's lost his job. So he is my mine this week. No, that's fair. Um, I've actually gone for a joint award this week. Uh, my first one is Bill O'Brien as the former general manager of the Texans. The, we we discussed his poor trading, like getting rid, like letting Hopkins go for an absolute song. The Dolphins having their first two picks is just like he should have been gone, or he should, he should have at least like divided his labour. Do you know what I mean? Like be head coach or be general manager. He's not. Mm. He's not the Belichick he thinks he is. You know. And he's uh he's sharing the award with former head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Actually, so because there's poor O line to protect Watson, piss poor coaching, and generally firing himself. So I think he's got the joint award because he's having yeah, two jobs. I two think that's fully deserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything that we've missed? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. We haven't really spoke about many of the other games through the week, but then none of them really jumped out for me. Um, I think the Chargers Bucks game. Yeah. Herbert's looking good. Herbert's looking very good. I like the way he's playing. He looks like he's been in the, he's really in the league for like four or five years already. talking on the, the main first and ten podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago after his first start against the, the Chiefs. And we were talking about whether or not he should be the starter for the rest of the season or, or should Tyrod come back. And I was making the point that I think that they would be absurd at this point after just that one game based on how well he played and how good he looked. To, to turn back at this stage, I think that for any rookie, you want them to bed in and get as much game time as possible just because there's only 16 weeks, uh, ultimately speaking, that they need as much time to develop as possible. Now, he seems to be developing at an exceptional rate, going toe-to-toe with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game uh, and, and almost, had it not been for, for a, a fumble that was sort of late in the first half, you do wonder if they might have actually come out with, with the win. So, no, he's he's really looking very good after three games. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could barely find fault with him. Obviously, he's going to make uh, mistakes as a rookie, but like the he's shown a lot of maturity in a very short space of time. I think. Yeah, and outside, I, I think he's one to watch for the future. And the guys he was throwing the ball to were absolutely no no names, like similar to Rogers in the sense that the people he's got thrown to receive the ball are just absolutely no hopers, really. So to be doing that as a rookie with, with players that no one's ever heard of, no, he's doing exceptionally well. Yeah, I mean, he's just, I, I think he's like a couple of years down the line to get traded to a better team and just like skyrocket. Um, the Eagles finally won, but it was against the 49ers Z team. Uh, it was 25-20. It wasn't a great game again, but... Yeah, I mean, that, know, that puts the Eagles, the Eagles in first won, place in the, in the NFC least. So it's... Oh, that, it is. that division is just absolutely toilet. I, I genuinely don't believe they should have the No, I mean, I'm trying to send a team to the I've always said that I think that to make the playoffs, you should always at least have to have 
above a point five hundred record. Otherwise, I think you should forfeit that place to a team with a record above point five hundred because it's just not not fair for those teams that are much much better than you. Get Roger Goodell on the phone. Pitch that idea to him. Get the best teams in. Like it shouldn't be like just the top one of the shitty division getting spanked and knocked out in the first. Absolutely, it's a, waste of, it's a waste of a game. Waste of a game. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night last week, Broncos Jets. The Jets couldn't beat a knackered old Broncos. Like genuinely, if that Broncos team was an actual horse, they'd have been sent to the glue factory. Yeah, and they still so managed to, to, to beat the Jets, team, which just shows to, to show you. If, if they're going oh, no. to be turned into glue, what then? Or uh, for the Jets, but uh, not even spare parts, are they? <laughs> no, well, that's it. Like, the, the, have you seen that knackered, uh, that knackered jumbo jet, at, like sort of graveyard yeah, in California? Pass, that's yeah. where the Jets need to be. Within within five years, they'll be retired in that graveyard, and that'll be it. End, end of the franchise. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Nothing really, nothing else really stood out. Oh, the Rams and the yeah, Giants I thought game. that, that, that game and the, the Seattle Dolphins game were, were both much closer than, than we would have probably anticipated. Obviously, Seattle scored late, which made the score look a bit more, uh, more. Yeah, the, the, but it actually was very late going much into, into the fourth quarter. So it'd be interesting to see how they they've obviously they got Minnesota this week, um, and as as mentioned earlier, a bit of a torn of which way I'd like that one ideally to go. But it will be interesting to see if um, if Minnesota can give them a game, and if if it or it was just a, a blip, really. Yeah, I mean, like the and the way that the the Rams played against the Bills last week, I genuinely I thought that that was going to be a blowout as well, maybe like thirty-five three or something. Do you know what I mean? It was, but it was it just wasn't a great. It's like, yeah. it's like the MetLife uh, stadiums where I football mean, goes to die. You thought the Rams would absolutely hump them. Uh, I mean, the, the Niners with about two players fit. Managed to managed to beat them, so it was very surprising that the Rams were came up. Well, they they got over the line, but but just about over over the Giants. Yeah, um, yeah. I, do you know what? I have nothing else to say for the rest for the rest of the league because the rest of the league is just a bit of an non-event this week. Uh, the only thing we need to really talk about is the Titans, but I've done. I completely forgot yeah, about them because they didn't play this week. I mean, obviously, that was a game got postponed. Talking point coming into to, to this week with with that postponement and then having them both having to have an early bye. Whether I can keep my fingers and toes crossed that this is the the end of COVID postponements, but it seems inevitable that something like this is going to happen again. Obviously, with the Patriots and Chiefs game also getting moved because of COVID, they did manage to get the game played last night with the Chiefs obviously coming out on on, on top, but but. The Titans situation was much more bleak. Obviously, many, I think it was 16 players and coaches in all tested positive, and it was a true outbreak as opposed to just, just the, the starting quarterback. But they have now had two straight days of, of no more positive tests, so hopefully we're getting to the end of that, and, and they have actually now opened the facility once again for the Titans. Yeah, that's that's good news. But just just quickly touching on the Patriots because I think we've mentioned them maybe like twice in the last forty five minutes or whatever it's been. Uh, how yeah. bullshit are the backup QBs? Jesus Christ! Like the kind of the, the whole job is to I throw mean, the ball. And they can't even quite manage that. It's a picture into what this season would have been like for for the the New England Patriots if Cam Newton hadn't somehow, by some black. Bill Belichick magic ended up in in Foxborough because <laughs> these guys obviously Jared Stidham he's Jared Stidham he's not really ever proven why he was drafted as high as he was by the the Patriots and Brian Hoyer 
the destroyer of your dreams <laughs> if you if you've got him on your team because he, he's just not good <laughs> he's, a, he's a career backup for a reason so yeah it just goes to show how bleak their season would have been had they have not brought Cam in do you think with it being uh, Belichick's black magic to bring in well, I don't know what you did there but that, that was right in my ears um, so do you think with, uh, with Belichick bringing in Cam Newton as part of his black magic thing he then bringing in this COVID no, thing do you think I he's think still trying to go for the next year? as soon as Cam Newton's back I think that they will make a play for, for the playoffs I think that they're likely I think that the Bills will probably win that division but I think they'll still probably manage to sneak in with either the sixth or the seventh wild card spot. That's a, that's a pretty bold shout. Pretty bold shout. Uh, all right. So obviously next week we don't have a game to talk about. Uh, we'll obviously be previewing the Bucks game. Um, I think we're going to try and look at getting a like a sort of yeah. A, a I think it'll be good to get a few, a, a few different voices on um, to hear how they think that the season's gone off the quarter pole. They can give us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we can't have that. Kind of so, yeah, I mean, the get busy, a, few, so. a few guys on to talk about how their teams are doing, <laughs> how they see the rest of the season going, and obviously their MVP, their predictions for, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that'd be quite good. So, um, all right, with that, I think we've done, we've talked enough rubbish for about 45 minutes or so. Uh, all right, so you can follow us if you are still listening. You can follow us on Twitter at ShufflePack, or you can. Email the podcast, uh, uh, shufflethepackpod at gmail.com. I always forget that. I think I've got it right this week. Uh, no, if yeah, anyone's James, got any questions that they want to us to, to go over in, in sort of coming weeks, do just drop us a line on, on, on Twitter or send us an email, as you say. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week previewing the, the big clash, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, and take this from there. Yeah, and obviously, if anybody does want to sponsor the podcast or just, you know, send us some money just for fun, we are more than happy to accept. Uh, On that note, go Pat, go.